Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Homeopathy for Autism series. Today I'm going to talk about the duration of treatment. And this is going to be the last episode in this series, but after you've taken a listen to the series, um, if more questions come up, please don't hesitate to reach out and say, Heather, can you expand on this? Or what about autism in this specific situation? Or what about these other potential causes? You know, feel free to reach out to me, send me a DM, send me an email, because I'm very happy to expand on any of these topics um, if you if you'd like me to do so. So um, today I'm going to talk about duration of treatment and really I'm going to teach you or, or discuss here what a realistic timeline looks like when under homeopathic care for autism. So um, this is going to look really different in each case. And I want to help give you some clarity as to, hey, how long does something like this take? And what should I expect? And so forth. But before I go there, I want to invite those of you who struggle with autism, maybe your parents of an autistic child, to apply for my homeopathy for autism program. This is not a cookie cutter program that word actually is a little misleading but I, I could <laughs> that's what I went with but it's it's more of a one-on-one support for 12 months to help um, support remission uh, the improving symptoms I can't say cure but I think you know what I mean and um, so homeopathy and homeopathic care uh, is at the foundation of this program. I do talk about and teach you about how to use sunlight and other light recommendations and other environmental and dietary recommendations to support brain health and healing and neurological function as well. But homeopathy is at the foundation of this program because this is what helps move the organism out of the suppressed state that truly fuels autism. Now, if you or your child struggle with autism, you've likely read all the potential causes. And I talk a lot about suppressives, I talk a lot about um, jabs as being a core cause and, and fuel for this condition. And um, I have found this to be the primary uh, cause of, of autism and have seen this so many times in my practice that when somebody comes in and I, I, I ask them to tell me the story, tell me how this whole thing started, what happened? And nine times out of 10, people say after I, they got this round of vaccines, then the behavior changed and they entered this 
other state, which involved mental emotional symptoms that we classify as autism. So there can be some other contributing factors. There's a folic acid um, supplementation. Uh, there, there's some evidence there fueling this disease. Um, also, we have to consider antibiotics, steroid drugs, steroid creams, et cetera. All of these things can fuel um, this condition. And actually, the next episode that I do on the MTHFR uh, SNP, um, we'll talk a little bit about folic acid as well. And so you can keep your eye out for that episode coming next week. Um, but despite what the cause was, because people come into my practice and they're like, Heather, okay, I'm going to tell you my symptoms. You're asking me all these questions that no other doctors ever asked me how these, these really specific questions, because this is a way we get to know how the organism is actually behaving, right? The symptoms are gold. They're better than any blood test, any genetic screening test. If you as a practitioner, if there's any practitioners here, the tests that you get from whether it's a blood test, whether it's a genetic test, whether it's a stool test, sure, those things can be helpful in some cases. But I'm telling you, the gold in helping somebody get better is truly um, understanding somebody's symptoms and what they actually mean, what that story is actually revealing to you. That is gold. So people will come in and I'm asking them all these questions and they'll be like, Heather, but does it matter if my autism or my child's autism was triggered by me taking folic acid during, you know, um, gestation, right? Or does it matter if it was a vaccine or, or, but what if it was caused by a bacteria? Here's the thing. When you, the, the body is going to tell you how to treat the condition. And honestly, it really isn't a huge deal to know what caused this? Was it a bacteria? Was it a vaccine? Of, of course, that information is going to be helpful in some way, right? But when it comes down to really getting individualized, accurate treatment plan for somebody, the body's going to reveal it and it's going to reveal it in the symptoms, in the physical symptoms, in the mental symptoms, and the emotional symptoms. And that's what we have to understand in order to get somebody the correct treatment. So um, when somebody comes in and I talk about this all the time, they just have a diagnosis, right? Oh, I have cancer, I have autism, I have Hashimoto's, I have high blood pressure. Helpful information to know that. But what I want to know more is what are the person's symptoms? Because they are going to require a different, this is how you individuate the treatment. It's going to be a different remedy depending on the symptoms. Everybody who comes in who has autism isn't getting the same remedy or some protocol. That's not how it works. That's not how healing works. Works. That's not how nature works. Everything is highly individualistic. So um, I just want to mention that because so often I'll, I'll give a remedy to somebody. I'll suggest a remedy after the session and they'll be like, wait, but does it really matter? Does it change your suggestion if this was caused by a bacteria or if this was caused by, you know, X, Y, Z? And <clears throat> usually, even if I don't know what the diagnosis was or is or what caused it, 
I can have a very good idea of what that causative factor is or what's going on just by listening to somebody's symptoms. They are gold. Any practitioner that doesn't understand what to do with your symptoms, I would be questioning that practitioner if they're trying to get you a treatment plan or anybody who does a cookie cutter thing. I would be questioning that treatment plan. <clears throat> Okay, I wanted, I wanted to start with that because that's actually been coming up a lot in, um, in, with my students, with some of my clients. So I, I wanted to really talk about that. Um, <clears throat> and the same thing, I'll also mention this, the same thing is like, oh, mold sensitivity. What are your symptoms? Like, okay, mold sensitivity, but what are your symptoms, right? And what is your health history? And... What suppressives have you taken in the past? We have to put this entire story together, not just a diagnosis of I found mold in my ceiling or, um, you know, I have high blood pressure. We have to get deeper than that if we really want to work towards getting people into a more curative state and space. And the same goes for autism. So if you go to somebody who wants to help, you know, is an autism specialist and they give you a protocol, I'd, I'd ask for a refund. Just saying. Okay. Same with any disease, any disease, not just autism. And I learned that the hard way myself as well. There's many practitioners I went to, oh, take this and this and that. And I come out with $500 worth of supplements. And then, I'm, you know, it's just some protocol for a disease condition that they think I have or a, a diagnosis or a symptom they think I have that um, is really unhelpful. It's an unhelpful way to approach healing. Um, and it can be very damaging to people because they think they're incurable or they think, oh, shit, I just spent all this money and now where am I at? Um, and they take all the supplements and then they have, you know, $500 later, then they need new supplements in a week or two weeks. It's just not sustainable and it's not going to get to the root of the issue. So, um, so to make a long story short, <laughs> homeopathy is at the foundation of the homeopathy for autism program that I offer because it helps get to the root of this condition and really does so by focusing on the symptoms and those symptoms, once we start homeopathic care, will begin to change. And so different remedies will be indicated throughout the duration of the treatment. So um, you can learn more about that program by going to my site, heathershepherd.com, go to the homeopathy tab, and uh, you will see the, the autism program listed there. You can learn more and you can apply. Okay. So let's see. Um, now, where do we start here? Where do we start? How do you know the duration of treatment, right? What, what does something like this look like? What's the length of time needed to overcome autism? Now, Remember, I just want to pop this back in that the information I share in this series pertains particularly to children 
born healthy without autism, yet they develop autism after birth. These are more of what I found and other classical homeopaths have found to be more so the quote unquote curable cases of autism, okay? Um, those born in an autistic state, these are more of the palliative cases. Um, so most commonly what I see in my practice is that the autism develops after birth, after suppressive, after a round of vaccinations um, or other expo exposure to other suppressive therapies. So of course, the duration of homeopathic care needed to rectify autism is going to vary for each individual, right? Anybody who tells you, oh, cure your cancer in two weeks or your autism in a month or that's total BS, right? Now, it would literally be um, false, irresponsible for me to give an exact time, right? It's just not how healing works in the body. You know, in exactly six months, you'll be free from autism. No, that's anyone who claims these things really should cause you to raise an immediate red flag. We're raising a lot of red flags already on this episode today. But <laughs> that being said, there are some observations with regard to using homeopathy to approach autism that have shown, um, you know, great strides in, in progress and can be almost like um, these areas of, um, what would we say, milestones, uh, uh, times of great breakthroughs in the, in the progress of the treatment, big forward movements, et cetera. And that is after the child gets high fever. And I'm talking about what do I mean by high fever? At least 101.3, anything below that, it's definitely not a high fever. And if you're, I know one of the most scary things that I, I see parents go through is when their kid gets a fever. So I know it can be scary, but this is a really huge part of health as well. And we need to have more awareness, more confidence on how to approach these sort of situations because the medical system uh, has completely driven like a nail into our psyche that we should fear fever when our kids get fever. As soon as it gets 99, we have parents popping, you know, children's Tylenol and suppressing the fever. It's really a bad idea. It's, it's actually much more dangerous to your child's health than to let them um, actually get the, the fever higher because the high fever and developing high fever, especially from a, a young age, is how we build our immune system, is how we become um, resistant to chronic disease when we get older, and um, is how we prevent uh, um, conditions such as autism. So, um, and also when children are able to get high fever, not only does it strengthen the immune system, prevent chronic disease, but also um, what happens is the child usually has big breakthroughs developmentally, whether it's emotionally, whether it's cognitively, whether it's uh, behavioral, whether it's physical growth. There's some aspect of growth, of um, 
after a high fever is able to develop. Now, of course, there's some cases where, hey, the fever time, we have to treat it. But in general, most parents are really scared of high fever. And they're, they're scared because of how our medical system has taught us, oh, as soon as he gets a fever, boom, pop that children's Tylenol or whatever it may be. Take them to the emergency room immediately, right? That's dangerous. It's more harmful to the child to do that. It's more harmful to them. So, um, you know, we just haven't been taught the relevance and importance of high fever. And we we go to extreme measures to prevent our child from getting sick. And now I'm not sitting here and saying, oh, let your child throw up and, you know, be in pain and be suffering. Not at all. But there's something about this natural built-in ability to get high fever that is one of the greatest assets of the human body with regard to resilience, development, chronic disease prevention, and overcoming chronic diseases and chronic conditions such as autism. So often after we start homeopathic care, the child will oscillate between having better days and then having some relapses, having some better days and having some relapses. Because I talked about this in the last episode, the organism isn't strong enough yet to hold the homeopathic remedy, to hold the treatment. And so it goes back and forth between this oscillation as it's trying to um, strengthen itself, come into a new, healthier way of being. And so the child eventually will get to high fever and the parent will call me and they'll say, Hey, you know, um, Tony has a fever of 103. What do we do? And then we figure out what to do. Do we let it run its course or do we intervene? And each case is, is really different, but this is what we look for. This is the first real huge breakthrough event that we look for for anybody who's struggling with autism and under homeopathic care. Now, how long after starting homeopathic care, and I should really correct that and say, how long after starting correct homeopathic care, because there's plenty of children and individuals, unfortunately, under um, incorrect homeopathic care, where the remedy is prescribed incorrectly, the wrong remedy, the wrong potency, the wrong repetition of the remedy. You could have the correct remedy and the correct potency and somebody tells you to take it incorrectly, like taking it every day. It's usually not going to work in that way. It's usually not going to improve the case if you take a remedy every single day in cases of autism. There are some exceptions, but it's generally not the way, it's not the correct way to um, approach autism. And people will do that and they'll say, oh, homeopathy, I tried it and it didn't work. Well, we have to utilize this medicine to its strengths. Everything has a strength, right? Everything has something that, oh yes, if you, we use it, if we play to its strengths, then we will get remarkable results. So, when we use homeopathy and play to its strengths, there can be impressive, long-lasting, 
um, improvements that people thought told you would never happen in the duration of this child's life since the autism diagnosis. So how long after starting homeopathic care, correct homeopathic care, can we expect um, until this milestone, this development of high fever? Again, this varies. It depends on the child or individual's constitution, how deep the disease has penetrated the organism, how many years has this been going on, what are the effects? Uh, what is the degree of autism, right? Um, is there total loss of speech? Is there is there total loss of function? Is there uh, is some are some is the child able to to speak and you know have um, healthy social behaviors? You know, it's, so it, it depends on on the degree of the autism. How deep has this disease penetrated? If somebody's on prescription meds, it's going to take longer for that individual, for that child to, to develop fever. And in many cases, it's really challenging to, to develop fever when on medication. Now, I have seen high fever, remember 101.3 uh, Fahrenheit or higher. Um, this is the temperature, by the way, that the, the body needs to get to in order to start to be able to eradicate things like toxins and pathogenic bacteria and pathogenic viruses, toxins, toxins such as from the environment or from vaccinations, etc. It needs to get to a certain temperature in order to start eradicating these types of um, things. So when the fever gets high, I've seen it develop uh, after starting homeopathic care for autism. I've seen a fever develop after a week to a few weeks. And in other cases, there's gradual progress in the behavior. There's improvement and then, um, and then it goes back and, and reverts and there's improvement and then it reverts. And this can go on, you know, for a few months for a year and then there's this breakthrough and then the child gets high fever. And, um, but during that time, we're not just sitting back and, and, you know, waiting for fever, we're intervening with, with the remedy and changing the remedy as need be until that organism gets strong enough to finally be able to bust out a high fever. So the fever will develop when the organism is strong enough to hold the remedy, which will then stimulate this robust healing response. And this is when the fever will develop. Now, if we're able to address the fever, well, there's, there's a couple of cases. If we're able to let the fever run its course, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. The, if there's no real harm or danger in the child or individual's life, you let it run its course. Now, let's say you have to intervene because there are some instances where the fever will need homeopathic support or intervention. There are some cases where that's gonna be needed. And this intervention is most often necessary when treating a chronic deep case and situation and condition like autism, like cancer, like any deep chronic condition. 
Usually when the high fever develops, it's high and it needs attention. And that's, we have a lot of resources in homeopathy for treating high fever. So, um, I'll also say if a child or individual is, has a weaker constitution, they may need, even if they're not autistic, right? Maybe they're, they're relatively healthy or, you know, they don't have a chronic condition, but their constitution is, is on the weaker side. It's generally weaker. Then if these individuals get high fever, you may have to intervene in such cases as well because their organism doesn't have the juge to, to help them get over the edge. They need some support. And if, see, here's the thing. If you use, and I'm not telling you not to use this, I'm just saying what's gonna happen. If you use children's Tylenol, uh, or ibuprofen, which I'm, if you need to treat a fever, use ibuprofen, you know, versus Tylenol or Aleve, forget that stuff. You use children's ibuprofen or ibuprofen if you need to intervene. But here's the thing. Um, if you intervene conventionally, um, let's say, you know, I, I've seen all, all wakes of this from a children's ibuprofen, which is going to be less, the least suppressive of the suppressives. Um, you, we have that degree, and then we have all the way up to getting a shot in the ass or somewhere in, in the thigh or in the body if there's high fever. The shot in the ass is going to be much more suppressive and have much more long-term consequences on the child's health than a teaspoon of children's ibuprofen. Okay. So I want to mention that the degree as to which we treat the fever does actually, um, determine how it's going to affect the child. Um, so I want to mention that now homeo homeopathically when there's a fever and the, per the individual needs help with the fever, they need help bringing, bringing a 104 or 105 fever down or they're stuck at 101.5 and um, they, they can't get over the hump. They can't, they're, they're just stuck at that temperature. Then sometimes you have to intervene. Now homeopathy is not gonna act in a suppressive way, especially if you choose the correct remedy. What it's gonna do is it's going to boost the immune system in a way that helps it get over the hump with far less suffering and it's almost like, I'm trying to think of a, uh, an accurate word here, description for, for what it will do. It's like, okay, it's like if you're at the gym, and in my past life, I lived in, in the gym <laughs> and in the weight room. Um, but so let's say you are, you're in the gym and you're um, doing a bench press, right? And you you're like struggling you're stuck midway right that's that fever there that's not budging it's just staying right there it's those symptoms that are not budging during the acute and a spotter comes over and helps you and gives you just a just a tab like even like puts an index finger on the bar and then boom you, you're able to lift it up that is in a way what homeopathy is doing to the immune system it's giving it that support that spot 
to get over the hump without suppressing, but with, while still strengthening the immune system. So <clears throat> when it comes to utilizing homeopathy for autism, the duration of treatment varies, right? As in all diseases, no matter if somebody has a sprained ankle, cancer, autism, or migraine headaches, the treatment and the amount of time it's going to take that for that individual to get better depends on their organism, each individual organism, their constitution. What do they come in with? What are their predispositions? What's the strength of the organism? Okay. Are, do they live in a stressful environment or, you know, is there a lot of support? All this is going to impact the duration of the treatment. It varies for every single disease, including autism. And for those that take longer to develop that, the high fever, 101, three or higher, this is okay. You're still under correct homeopathic care, going to see gradual improvements with the condition, even if they don't get high fever within the first week or few weeks of starting homeopathic care. I will also mention that if you get to the six month point of you're doing homeopathy, you're, you're under homeopathic care for autism, and you don't see any even small improvements with the child's condition, I would, I would reassess this situation. I'd retake the case. I'd reevaluate the remedy and I'd, I'd course correct to get the child some deeper support. We at least want to see some improvement by that point, by the six month point. Often I see it much, I see signs of improvement much, much, much earlier than that. But for conditions, that cases of autism that are really deep, you need to give some time. Um, and for constitutions who are really weak, we need to give some time. On average, I see at least some improvement in a few weeks to a month after starting homeopathic care. Um, now, I know I've mentioned this, but I really want to reiterate that if the child is given allopathic suppressive medications, let's say you start homeopathic care and two months go by and you decide he, maybe he's got an eczema or um, a rash or something and you give him some hydrocortisone cream or something of that nature, some suppressive. Whenever a suppressive is introduced into the mix, it will almost always cause a full relapse of the condition. And this is often very preventable, especially when you know how to approach, you know, these issues homeopathically, when you understand when it's appropriate to treat and when we need to let this, this stuff come out of the body, when we need to let the eczema and rash come out of the body. When we need to let the runny nose just drip and drip and drip and drip out and not treat, we have to understand because that could be a sign. Just a continuous dripping nose after you start the homeopathic treatment for autism. This is the pathology coming out. The eczema is the pathology coming out. The rash is the pathology coming out. And 
sometimes it's appropriate to treat those things and other time we have to sit back, we have to observe, we have to support in other non-suppressive ways to let this disease come out. It needs to come out. So we need to be able to, to have an awareness and we're not taught this, the medical, um, if you take your child who let's say you start homeopathic care and they develop eczema and you take them to the doctor and they say, oh, give them this hydrocortisone cream, forget it. You've destroyed the entire treatment as soon as you apply that. This disease is so deep and deeply acting on the organism that a response, a robust response typically needs to happen to bring this disease in a curative condition. We can say this about any mental, emotional, or, or chronic physical condition as well. So um, sometimes allopathic drugs are needed in rare cases. And when people don't know what they're doing, which we're not trained to know what we're doing, you know, but Hopefully this podcast helps to bring some more education around, hey, what do I do in these situations? That's exactly also why I created the Foundation for Homeopathy course so you can understand why is this happening? How do I approach it? What are healthy ways to approach it? And when are when do I need to you know, consider allopathic, uh, an allopathic approach? Talk about all of that in the Foundations course. So, Let's see, what I will say is I can't tell you what to use. Everybody has their own choice and freedom of choice around their medical decisions. Even if you don't think you do, you do. And um, ultimately you need to use your best judgment. And if we're working together, if you're working with me and I'm helping you homeopathically, I'll do everything in my power to prevent the use of suppressive drugs and, and prevent you from having to go that route. I'll do everything in my power to help you get there. As I mentioned, children's ibuprofen or regular ibuprofen or Panadol, children's Panadol, these are the least suppressives of the suppressives. So if you're in a situation and you're like, shit, it's 3 a.m., I can't call Heather right now or I don't know what to do, um, those can be, you know, have those on hand for you or your child in, in cases of uh, an emergency. The most suppressives of the suppressives are things like vaccination, steroid drugs, antibiotics, malaria medication, and treating malaria. I think they put a shot in your booty. Really highly suppressive. I've seen a lot of health issues and behavioral issues, mental, emotional conditions start and, and deepen after malaria medication and um, after treatment, allopathic treatment for malaria. Um, and we also have to consider all prescription drugs are going to have a suppressive effect, sleep medications, Benadryl, etc. So, um, <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed this series on autism. I wanted to take a deep dive with you all. Um, and 
Next week, as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about MTHFR. What does this mean? Should you be concerned? What do you do if you test positive? Um, how much money are functional and naturopathic doctors making off of this quote-unquote diagnosis? A lot. We'll just say that. They're making a lot. And their approach to this is very, they may, they may make it look like it's outside of the box, but it's very much inside of the box. And it's unhelpful, unfortunately. Um, so I'll talk about that. And I promise after that episode, I will talk, do an episode on oxalates for you all as well. Okay, see you then. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.